Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Sip With Me. I'm your host, Ioana Kekados. And I'm your host, Aaron Carlson. We'll release an episode for you every Monday morning, which means you can listen to us during your commute, after work workout, or even enjoy a drink with us during your very own Monday night happy hour. And who doesn't like to have a little fun on a Monday night? Don't forget to subscribe, review, and share our show. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at sipwithme underscore for the latest episode updates, news, and all of our favorite cocktail creations. This episode has been sponsored by Van Gogh Vodka. Each sip of Van Gogh Vodka transports you to a fragrant apple orchard, a luxurious chocolate shop, or your favorite coffee house. As a pioneer in the flavored vodka category, they have a continued commitment to detailed craftsmanship and only the highest quality ingredients. And this holiday season, we're enjoying a bottle of double espresso Van Gogh vodka because as a coffee and cocktail enthusiast myself, I can attest to its smooth, bold, and rich flavor, truly the perfect addition to 2021's trendiest cocktail, the espresso martini. To celebrate the season, order a bottle for family and friends by using the code SHIPVANGO for free shipping via ReserveBar.com. And don't forget to check out more of their products on VanGoVodka.com and check them out on social at VanGoVodka. Thank you again to VanGoVodka for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back to the episode. We are barking and woofing for joy this week. Literally, my dog is probably doing that right now. We are speaking with our guest, Amanda, who curates charcuterie boards for your dog. Amanda combined her passion for dogs and love of food, or vice versa, into the idea over a text message, believe it or not. And each of those boards is handmade and influenced by the popular world, the very popular world since COVID started of charcuterie boards. Featured in the New York Times and growing rapidly, her business is one to watch in the world of entrepreneurship. And I will be soon ordering one of these personalized boards for my dog, uh, my Corgi Terrier Mutt, Eleanor Roosevelt. And we think that you should order one for your dog too. Amanda, welcome to Sit With Me. Yeah, thank you both so much. I'm so excited to be here today. We are so excited to have you. You have a very fun, interesting, unique business, and we are so excited to hear about how it works. So first and foremost, give everybody the rundown. Who are you and what kind of inspired you to start um, this business and get into kind of uh, such a unique blend of a couple different industries? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you just said, my name is Amanda Ewan and I'm the owner of Barcuterie Boards. And honestly, it started as um, just a conversation with my partner. We're in the family room and I think we had just had a charcuterie, like a human charcuterie board um, together and we're just talking. And I think I just said something like, oh my gosh, what if people made charcuterie boards for dogs? And he was very lovely. He's like, oh yeah, like that could be kind of cute. Uh, And so then immediately after that comment, I texted my sister, who's a fellow dog lover and foodie, and I just put like all caps, oh my God, charcuterie for dogs, what do you think? And she, you know, you see the three dots and she's immediately like, oh my God, what is, what is this? Why are you texting me this? And so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is an idea. Like maybe we should, we should go with this. And so I started making 
I just boards at home for my two dogs and um, at the end of last year decided, you know what, maybe, maybe this would be something cool to do as a business. And so, you know, got all my ducks in a row. And then I started my first local deliveries uh, in the Metro Atlanta area the last weekend of January of this year. And so it's, it's wow. been a wild ride. <laughs> So when you were like forming this business, like what was that process like in terms of um, like marketing and actually like sourcing product and figuring out, okay, how am I going to build these boards? What am I going to put on them? Like, what was that like? Because I, I, there's like very random, um, there's almost like cult followings of different like charcuterie boards and like the different categories and stuff. So how did you go about kind of forming what was going to be your specific brand yeah absolutely well the first word that came to mind was chaotic because <laughs> I was yes like, uh, we love chaotic know, energy yeah i i don't come from a family of, of small business owners this is not you know in in my wheelhouse by any means and so initially i was like well i have ideas and if i'm going to make this a business i need to actually like do my research and and you know make it happen and so um, you know, like I said, really heavily inspired by the human charcuterie world. And so basically what I did is I took to social media. And so I went to Instagram and I tried to follow and find, you know, artists in, in food, food stylists that were, yeah. that had a really unique style for their charcuterie that I thought was really cool. And then I would basically try to take inspiration from the human charcuterie style and find a dog friendly version, um, that I could put on my own board. So for example, my local boards, um, I have perishable items like cucumber roses. That's 100% from charcuterie world, right? Like I did not create the cucumber rose. <laughs> and so I have friends who, you know, make charcuterie um, as their small business. And I saw that and I thought, oh, well, I know cucumbers are good for dogs. I have a mandolin, like let's get to work. Um, and so, you know, there's also like art, there's the art of layering in, in charcuterie. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's like what, what type of snacks are you going to put next to each other? You know, what does it look like? The textures, obviously with, with dog snacks, it's, you're not going to have as, I guess, as many colors. Um, you know, I don't, yeah. I try to source items that are either uh, novel proteins that are single ingredients. So, you know, shrimp, it's just shrimp in there. Um, right. Or if I use dog treats, um, they are going to be short ingredient list with no artificial preservatives or dyes. So I want awesome. the snacks to be as natural as possible. Yeah. And so, you know, in thinking of, of sourcing, I think, you know, when I started making them for my own dogs, I'd realized how little I knew about, you know, canine nutrition and yeah. kind of the pet food industry, right? And so I thought, okay, well, I need to do a little more research on my own. Um, I really wanted to support other small businesses. And so I, I just started doing research, I guess, if you want to call it on Instagram and was like, all right, healthy dog treats. Who's, you know, who's doing that? Who's sourcing, you know, who's, who's a fellow small business owner that I can support that has a very similar mission of, you know, finding healthy treats for dogs. And it's really, again, I didn't know how big that world was. And now I'm mm -hmm. consumed by it. I'm like, wow, there's, there's dog treats everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Tell us more, cause you kind of briefly touched on your creative process and what that looks like. Um, share with our listeners kind of how you go about um, how you're either inspired or how that creative process works. And then something we're interested in as well is how often do you add or switch out ingredients in the boards? Yeah, absolutely. So the first part, um, in terms of the creative process, uh, once I sourced all the different types of snacks that I wanted to use initially, I just started 
um, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like Legos with no instructions. <laughs> so I, you know, at home I was just like, okay, how do I make this look nice? You know, I don't want to just throw it in a box and have it be sloppy. You know, like mm -hmm. when you get a human charcuterie, like you get it because there's an aesthetic. And so yeah. I, you know, I was like, okay, well, let me try to see if I can build and I can layer. And so, um, you know, part of, part of the, I guess, design process, or if you want to call it that, um, is figuring out, okay, well, you know, what protein, what proteins am I using? Where do I want them to be on the board? How do I make this look as visually appealing as possible? Um, you know, some people will be like, well, dogs don't care. And I know that, but as humans, we care, right? <laughs> we care about that curated experience. And so, you know, am I doing this for the dog moms and the dog dads? Probably. Um, and myself as well. And so, uh, yeah, so that creative process really is, okay, what, you know, what shapes do I think will fit with others? Is there a way to distribute color on the board in a different way um, for my non-perishables? And like, all right, well, what will fit so that everything is good when I, you know, vacuum seal and, and ship this so that it all arrives whole? Um, and then can you remind me the second yeah, question? Yeah, so how often do you switch out um, or add new ingredients? Yeah, so I... I think initially I started thinking seasonal, seasonally. Um, now that I am connected to so many lovely fellow small business dog treat owners, I kind of just, it's kind of thematic. So it could be holidays, it could be seasonal, it could be month. For example, you know, November, there's been a lot of Thanksgiving related items. The colors are, I'm trying to make them a little more fall. Mm -hmm. So we have some beet treats. And so there's a little bit of red. Um, a lot of dog treats are naturally kind of brown. So that works really <laughs> well with Thanksgiving. And then thinking into, you know, the holidays in December, I'm doing a winter board. And so there'll be, you know, the dog cookies will be, you know, snowflakes, snowmen, maybe gingerbread men. Um, so things like that. But the actual proteins, it really is uh, depending on what I can get sourced and um, what makes sense. Um, for the proteins, so I've mentioned like shrimp, I've also um, done mahi-mahi, I've done antelope, bison, and it's really um, dependent on, um, yeah, what, what's, what people have in stock and, um, you know, what I think would be good on rotation. I also know that, you know, getting boards, when you think about getting the human charcuterie boards, it's kind of the element of surprise, right? Mm -hmm. You're supposed to get a whole bunch of different things to sample. And so I always want to mix it up. So when people try, you know, if you try something in March or you try it in June, your board will have some similar items, but then you also have new things for your dogs to try as well. You know, I know we mentioned that we're probably doing this for the dog moms and dads, but my dog is eerily intelligent. And when she looks at me, she stares me in the eyes and I just know she is trying to communicate with me. So I know she would appreciate these fine details <laughs> that you are putting into these boards. Um, um, and so uh, uh, in terms of like different dogs, dog sizes, dog breeds, dog ages, how does that work? Because I think I read that uh, your boards are or can be like customized or personalized. So kind of how do you go about uh, navigating for the different like life stages of, of a dog? Yeah, absolutely. I have had the incredible opportunity to make boards for so many different types of dogs. I've made boards for like Great Danes, puppies, um, a, like a, a Chihuahua with like three teeth, <laughs> uh, dogs God, with no. certain allergies. Yeah. So, I mean, I've even, I've made vegan 
uh, barcuterie boards. And oh, so, wow. yeah. And so, you know, for me, I, I am not a canine nutritionist. I am not everybody's vet. And so for me, it's like, well, if you are, you know, a responsible dog owner and you know, your dog has certain allergies, of course, I will accommodate for allergies. If you have a dog who, you know, maybe they're, you're, they're older, they can't eat as many crunchy things, then I can source other things um, that can be an enjoyable experience for um, someone's dog. I definitely realized just like people, one size doesn't fit all. And so understanding that, that flexibility to customize and really truly curate, you know, everything is made to order. It's not like I have stacks of these, you know, all made, you know, in my, in my house, like it really is, you know, made to order. And so, you know, I have a little note section and checkout. So if anyone has you know, particular allergies. Chicken seems to be a common allergy um, for dogs. Or if someone's like, oh, my dog is recovering from surgery. So, you know, we want to treat them, but we also need to avoid X, Y, Z. I can kind of accommodate that so that you don't have to worry about, um, you know, your dog getting something that they don't like. You mentioned chicken. I don't know why. Maybe I just do this or like my circle of friends does this, but I've always kind of like human proteins i've always associated chicken and like turkey and like ham like those more like pink whitey like beige meats like as healthier you know like if i go in the fridge and i'm gonna give my dog like oh there's some roast beef or some sliced turkey i'm gonna give it turkey thinking it's like a healthy treat is do you know is that like is that true so I think that different proteins offer different types of nutritional values. And I will say, you know, I was talking to my own vet um, earlier this year, just kind of asking about, you know, dog treats and also proteins. And she gave a really wonderful analogy about dog cookies. And so I'll share that first. And the analogy is, you know, when we, can, we all can eat McDonald's fries but that doesn't mean we're going to eat them all day, every day, right? I mean, maybe yeah. we want to, but maybe that's not the best move. So sure, it's not going to kill you if you eat some fries. Uh, and so she likened that analogy to when people feed, you know, maybe like, I guess like grocery store, pet store, dog treats to your dog. Like that's not going to harm your dog. But if you're feeding your dog a lot of that and there's a lot of ingredients in there, you're not fully sure you know, what you're feeding your dog, it potentially could be harmful. And so, you know, that's, that's what I think about now when I think about cookies. I'm like, wow, I'm reading labels for my dogs just as much as I read food labels for myself. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yep. And then um, the, the first part about, what was the first part? Just like the different proteins and like, if there's any that are specifically like good or better for, for dogs versus humans. Yes, that's right. So I think that different proteins, I think I said this, but different proteins have different value. And so, yeah, um, and it also depends on like what, you know, what people's vets will say, or if you're, yeah. you know, someone's a canine nutritionist, but um, I've, I, in my own research, it seems like duck is a very lean protein. Yeah, um, I've heard that this so, year. Yeah, and so I'm I'm actually waiting on a shipment of duck patties to come in. I also have some, I have like antelope right now, which is really interesting because it's not something that I would have thought of as a protein, um, but I was, you know, chatting with one of the businesses that I work with and they're like, yep, it's a 
it's an alternative for someone who, or for a dog that may be allergic to um, beef. And there's also a lot of seafood. So, um, you know, some dogs love it. Some dogs, you know, don't prefer it. My two are obsessed with um, shrimp and fish. And so they really love it. Um, salmon seems to be really popular. And mm. so it really, yeah, it's kind of like a trial by error, essentially, just to see yeah. like what, you know, my own dog's like, what other people's dog's like. Um, so far, I really haven't gotten feedback where someone was like, oh, this was a definite no for, for proteins. Sometimes yeah. on my local boards, uh, people will be like, the cucumber rose was pretty, but my dog doesn't like vegetables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So uh, something I found really interesting and something you touched on in the beginning of the interview um, is that you really did kind of start the business in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and I think that's something we've seen with a lot of small business owners we've featured on the podcast. And I, I think it's something um, that truly is, it's remarkable because so many small businesses went out of business during this time. Um, so share with us a little bit about that experience and then what you think was the biggest challenge running a small business during the pandemic. Absolutely. So I did not have any intention of starting a small business in the middle of a pandemic. And then it happened, um, you know, and, it, and it's been a lovely creative outlet for me um, from, from work. And I'm also actually just now wrapping up a, a doctoral program. And so this was really the creative outlet that wow. I, I needed. Right. And so the challenges were it's time, right? Like, let's be honest, yeah. it's time. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, I want to do this. This is giving me a creative outlet. It's good for my mental health. How am I going to learn how to run a business effectively, efficiently, appropriately, legally, and then also, you know, navigate the other responsibilities that I have. And so quite honestly, I think initially it was just the challenge of, well, you know, if there were small business associations, they used to have meetings because of COVID, they don't anymore, right? So kind of getting connected to my local small business associations, you know, would have been or still is pretty hard. And so I felt like I just did so much internet researching. <laughs> and then as I grew my network um, through social media, I was able then to connect with other small business owners. And we all kind of, you know, learn from each other and try to share information where it makes sense. Um, and that's kind of really what what helped. But the initial challenge yeah, was time and then just trying to learn the ins and outs of just being a small business owner in a world where it's really hard to meet face-to-face. -face. I really value face-to-face -face interaction. And so some of the conveniences of like popping by an office to ask a quick question, mm -hmm. can't really do that <laughs> during pandemic, especially not, um, you know, at the end of last year. And so I think those were probably the biggest challenges. And then now, I don't know if it's related, well, it might be related to COVID, but right now it's all the supply chain stuff mm -hmm. that people yeah, are talking about. Ask. It's like, get your orders in or get your boxes. So I, I panic bought like <laughs> hundreds of things. And so like my packaging, I'm like, well, do I need this? You know, do I need to get more palm leaf plates, which are the little platters that I use? And I, you know, I have like 75 left and I'm, I normally order in like two or 300. And, you know, earlier this week, I'm like, no, let, I'll just get 500. Because <laughs> I'm worried and I have no yeah. idea what to expect. And so that's a more recent challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, COVID really kind of mixed things up for, for everyone, I think. Yeah. And last question I have for you. You brought them up, your quality control pups. Can you tell us a little bit about them and what they do for the business? 
Absolutely. So Tokyo and Nali are quality control pups. So that basically means that they test everything <laughs> before I use them as an item on my barcuterie boards. But I also will be honest that they, they've literally eaten and enjoyed I think, everything I've given them. So I'm not sure, you know, how specific their tastes are. <laughs> uh, but they, yes, so they are our little tester pups. So when I have new items that I want to put on, uh, new proteins, I'll have each of them test them. I have a little mini mic. And so when I have the time to do this, I try to set them down and have a little tasting space in our house where I can have each of them taste the snack and then put a little mini mic near them. So you so get cute. the ASMR. Yes. I haven't done it in a while, but it's, it's so <laughs> We fun. love ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, I also love ASMR and I love food related ones. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah. oh, I've got to try with my dogs. We have watched um, so many of those on YouTube together in our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I love them. And so I was like, oh, this could be kind of fun. It's hit or miss though. Like I don't have a studio in our house is, you know, like it's real life. My house is not spotless. I don't have like yeah. your pottery barn house. And so sometimes <laughs> I do this and like one of them steps on the mic or I forget that the mic isn't plugged into my iPhone. Yeah. So, you know, small business challenges, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's been fun. So they, they test things out. Um, Tokyo, he is 12 and a half. So he's a Husky shepherd um, mix and he, has been very lovely. He like he will sit right by my feet when I make the boards. Part of me thinks it's support, but really I, he probably wants me to drop you know all the treats uh -huh. on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and and that has happened. So he knows he knows that yep, I am giving those eyes. Yes. So he's like, oh, she's gonna drop something because it's happened before. And then <laughs> Nolly is um, about to be six in February, and she's um, like a collie lab kind of mix. So we have two months. But yeah, they have been fantastic. Uh, they went to a couple of my pop-ups when I first started going um, and doing events in person in the Metro Atlanta area. And so they enjoyed that. But now I've realized that it's just, it's, it's a lot to run an event, run a booth and have the dogs mm -hmm. there. So now they're my like quality control bat at home. <laughs> I like that. So then do you have also, last question, any holiday slash future plans that you'd like to share with our listeners? Absolutely. So the holidays are approaching. And so I have a holiday box that I am launching um, that will ship on December 1st. So if people are interested, they can, um, I guess, look me up on my website, barcuterieboards.com or on um, my socials. And so that box will be a winter themed barcuterie board, plus a couple of custom curated items from some really fantastic, popular small businesses in the dog accessory world and so there'll be yeah there'll be a custom holiday themed bandana um we'll have a little custom ornament i have oh a matching God. yeah i love it i got carried away so this box has like some <laughs> items in it <laughs> so it's really it's for people who just love their dogs so much and get carried away like me um yeah so like a bandana ornament there's like a scrunchie a poop bag holder yes. oh there's my a sticker God. Yeah, and so I'm super excited. Oh, and there's um, gonna be a little beaded bracelet because like those little strand bra bracelets mm -hmm. are in again. So there'll yep. be a oh dog mom God. and a dog dad you, version. Uh, I am sold on a I dozen know. of these things. <laughs> All of my friends are getting one. Wow, <laughs> that is quite a holiday offering. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so, yeah, so it's like, you know, you wanna treat yourself or your dog or you wanna gift it to a friend, that's gonna be um, my big thing that I'm, I'm working on for the rest of this year. And it is also my first 
holiday season because I didn't actually form until after Christmas last, um, last year. And so, yeah, we'll see, fingers crossed, it is all going well and will go well. And hopefully we don't have too many shipping nightmares. Um, but that's the biggest thing coming up. And then, you know, we'll just see what happens next year in terms of continuing to do in-person events to support my Metro Atlanta dogs, um, continuing shipping. I'm also hoping to launch shipping to Canada. So that'll be my next big project is, is trying to be able to yes. offer these um, for our Canadian pups north of us. And so, um, yeah, those are some of the small things going on. But honestly, you know, wherever this takes me, I am up for whatever opportunities really come my way. It's been such a fantastic journey. And I, yeah, I really can't even predict what will happen. So I'm just kind of open to anything. Yeah, good attitude. Uh, and those boxes ship nationally, right? Yep. So right now they ship nationally in the United States. And like I said, hopefully Canada soon as well. Awesome. Yay. Wow. I'm like literally, oh, wow. I know, Aaron. You're, you're going to see my you. name. And it's going to be a giant order and it's going to be really bad. <laughs> I'm gonna max I love it. Credit card. Okay. So we end every episode with a round of rapid fire. So we have five questions. We want the first gut answer that comes to the top of your mind. Are you ready? Oh my gosh. No, but we're going to do it. So go. <laughs> All right. You want to take it away. Okay. What is your favorite dog breed? Uh, Sorry. Uh, golden Retriever because my first yes. dog was a golden. Oh. Good. Very sentimental. Yeah. Um, the cutest dog you've ever known, excluding your current dogs. Oh, the, oh this is so <laughs> difficult. Oh my gosh. And like rapid fire means like now I'm, my brain is going in 18 directions. Okay, the cutest dog. So there's a local pup. His name is Cashew and he <laughs> looks very similar to Tokyo because he is a um, like a husky shepherd mix as well. And so Cash and Tokyo have met before. And so every time I see Cashew's pictures on, on Instagram, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like they're probably related somewhere <laughs> yes. down the line. So, I, so you told me not my own dog, so he's not my own dog, but he does look very similar to Tokyo. I also I like love that. the name. How cute. Yeah, Isn't I like Cashew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, your favorite barcuterie board that you've done. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Okay, favorite barcuterie board. So it's because it's sentimental, I had someone order a barcuterie board for their sister who's about to have her first kid. And so she is, she's, she was, a, or is a dog mom first. And so the board was to really like celebrate her first kid, which was her dog. Aww. And she had the cutest little, she wrote in the note section, a little note that she wanted me to write on the note card. And I like had to try not to cry when I <laughs> wrote the note, but you know, it was like, you know, you're about to be a big brother or a big sister. And you know, you were mom's like first, first child and you will always be you know, the, the most important in her life, but now you get this like fantastic role to, to guide a new member of your family. And I just was like, this is so cute. Yeah. And so then um, I thought that was just a sweet way to, to celebrate. Um, and and it, like a really, just a really thoughtful way to acknowledge that dogs are such a big part of our lives, you know, and that they really are family and, and really lift us up and are there for us in our hardest moments. And so, yeah, that one I will always remember because I just thought it was so sweet. Wow. These are great answers. Okay. Take a deep breath. Don't cry. 
Okay. All right. My last question. One misconception people have about dogs that you want to clear the air about. Oh, one misconception. Oh, that, I guess one of them that I've learned is that, you know, dogs don't need enrichment. Like if you just, you know, they, they're fine at home sleeping all day and dogs really, you know, just like us, we need to be active. We need to be mentally and physically stimulated. I'm not yes. saying you need to like do this 24 seven, but you know, playing a game with your dog, like hiding treats around the house for them to sniff out. So canine enrichment is something that I am recently really passionate about and um, have realized that, you know, yes, our dogs love us no matter what, but it's really on us too, as the dog's parents to realize that you know, we need to take that initiative to also create some play and mental stimulation uh, for our pups. And, and again, I don't think there's like one wrong or right way to do it. I just mm -hmm. think that we need to be more mindful and to really, um, you know, commit to that part of, of dog parenting and, and creating good experiences for our, for our pups. Yes, uh, you need to be like yeah. on like a national like committee. <laughs> you sound like an advocate. <laughs> I welcome the opportunities if yes. anyone is listening <laughs> and has those connections. <laughs> so our last question, we are a cocktail-based podcast. So do you have a favorite cocktail or non-alcoholic beverage of choice? Oh, this is such a, this is a funny question. So for uh, my friends who will listen to this and know me, they know that I'm an extreme lightweight. And so I, I love, <laughs> yes. Well. And, and like literally as in like, I can't even finish a drink. And so I, I love yes. drinks, but I feel like the entire world thinks that I've, I hate like every bar I've been to because I leave drinks. But so my favorite, um, I don't necessarily have a favorite, but I, like anything with gin, I'm fine with. Um, and then my favorite non-alcoholic is any LaCroix flavor except coconut. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you coconut now? It's not, I think it tastes like metally sunscreen. <laughs> I have not tried that one. Okay, that is the quote from the that. episode. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> that's, it's, that's what I think. It, I just don't think it tastes good. But I'm, yeah, I'm obsessed with like sparkling water, but LaCroix specifically. Love it. Yay. Uh, you survived and you had amazing answers. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, so one last time, tell everyone where they can purchase your barcuterie boards and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so if you're interested in ordering or learning more about barcuterie boards, my website is barcuterieboards.com. So barcuterie is spelled B-A-R-K, like bark, and then U-T-E-R-I-E, -E, and I'm visualizing that, and I hope I spelled that correctly, but, and then my, uh, social handles on Instagram and Facebook are the same. It's just at Barcuterie Boards. I post a lot of behind the scenes on my Instagram stories and I really love engaging with my community there. And so if you're interested or have questions, of course you can uh, DM on Instagram or also shoot me an email and I'm happy to answer any questions that people have. Awesome. Well, Amanda, thank you very much. We are so excited to see what you keep doing and I'm very excited to receive my many holiday boxes that I'm going to order. <laughs> um, and yeah, everyone order a box, support a small business, follow on social media. There is amazing content. The barcooter boards are so cute. And um, yeah, happy holidays, happy new year, and we will have to stay in touch. And say hi to your dogs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. This was so much fun. 
This is your weekly sip with Eric Carlson and Ioana Kekados. Pouring a glass of the week's hottest news, here are your top headlines. Unbutton those pants. You might be on a plane listening to this episode after a week of stuffing your face with Thanksgiving food. And if you are, you're joining the record number of travelers who spent Thanksgiving week in the air since the pandemic began. Over 2.3 million Americans flew on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving this year, which is 88% the level of the same day in 2019, the last comparable data point before the pandemic. Projections for 2022 show the same number should hit a new all-time record as demand for air travel continues to rebound, especially for the slow-to-come-back business travel segment. And with more Americans taking advantage of deals offered earlier, Online spending on Black Friday declined for the first time to $8.9 billion, according to Adobe Analytics data. Last year's Black Friday record of $9 billion was an increase of 21.6% year over year, the company found. Online spending on Thanksgiving was $5.1 billion, the same as last year, which also marked the first time both Thanksgiving and Black Friday online spending didn't see year-over-year increases. That could be a further sign that consumers started to shift their spending to earlier in the season, responding to promotions and deals from retailers that started in October. Despite concerns around supply chain issues, though, Cyber Monday is expected to be the biggest online shopping day of the year, with $10.2 billion to $11.3 billion estimated in online spending. Last year saw a Cyber Monday record of $10.8 billion in online purchases. Speaking of the all-too-familiar very, very stressful situation with the world supply chain. While you may be familiar with the Biden administration's decision to release oil from U.S. strategic reserves, which is essentially a stockpile that keeps for a rainy day, our neighbors to the north, Canada, are expected to release 50 million pounds of another form of liquid gold, one that I know Iowan and I enjoy much more than oil, maple syrup. The shortage in supply comes from a 20% increase in syrup demand this year, likely stoked by uh, pandemic eating habits and new patterns, and a newly thrown off cycle of seasonal tapping due to what else but climate change. Days after reports of shortages of Thanksgiving turkeys proved premature, the American Christmas Tree Association was moved to promise Americans that Christmas will not be canceled amid reports of looming problems. The statement from ACTA, which represents the artificial tree industry, came amid concern that supplies of both plastic trees and live noble Fraser and balsam firs will be subject to supply chain issues and the effects of the climate crisis. ACTA said shipping costs for plastic, plastic trees could quadruple compared to 2020 because of supply chain problems. Chinese-made artificial trees on ships unable to unload at U.S. West Coast ports have been rerouted through the Panama Canal to the East Coast, doubling delivery times. Supplies of natural trees have been hit by problems including rising labor and transportation costs and extreme heat and wildfires that scorch northwestern farms this summer. So if you are planning on buying a real Christmas tree or plastic, make sure to buy early. And for real Christmas trees, expect a price increase this holiday season. My family bought their real tree just this morning. And also, Iwana, I had absolutely no idea that there was an American Christmas Tree Association 
though, like a lot of other things these days, that does not surprise me. And those are your headlines for the week. Be sure to tune in next week for the news that you need to know now. Thanks for listening to Sip With Me with Ioana and Aaron. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, sipwithme.org. There you can find our themed cocktail book as well as other exciting Sip With Me content. And if you love our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social at sipwithme underscore. Join us next week for Iwana and I's very first in-person interview ever at Chicago's world-famous Christmas festival, the Christkindle Market. <laughs>